0: You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to a Friday edition of the Locked On College Football Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn, Locked On Horns. With me as always, Big Ten, Ben Stevens, of Locked On Big Ten. Going to get you, I would say get you set up for football this weekend, but Ben, we don't have any football, but it rolls on for us. We're talking football. We're talking, there's a new guy in town at the other UT. <laughs> uh, I want to I want to make sure we get that across the other UT. Uh, we also have SEC schedulers out. We're going to do mm-hmm. SEC power rankings. We'll get into all that, but first, Let's start with the new man on campus. We all know the whole story behind Tennessee. Jeremy Pruitt, is out. So they bring in Josh Heupel from UCF to be the new man in charge of Tennessee. And I hate to quote what was said yesterday on the Locked On College Football podcast when Cole Cubit said, meh, but I'm going to echo, meh, double meh, meh. I'm not, ex- I'm not excited about this hire. But, truth be told, the whole hiring carousel is kind of passed, so it was very slim pickings as far as what they could do at the University of Tennessee as they waited until just two weeks before National Signing Day was to be completed. Tennessee has a mass exodus of players. They bring in Josh Heupel. Uh, what were your initial thoughts, and, and kind of where do you go from here uh, for, the, for the
1: Vols? My initial thought was this seems like a package deal, right? They go and hire Danny White as the new athletic director in Knoxville from Central Florida. He goes and he brings his guy, Josh Heupel, with him. It makes sense. When you look at it from a logistical perspective, because like you mentioned, Patrick, the coaching carousel has kind of run its course, right? Like there's not that many options out there. There's some big names that you could have made a real big splash with. And we went over some of those future odds provided by betonline.ag last week. And, you know, the names like Lane Kiffin were floated and Hugh Freeze. And would it maybe just be Kevin Steele? or Would Gus Malzahn make a pitch? So it makes sense that Josh Heupel kind of found his way in the weeds. He's not exactly the sexiest hire. I know a lot of Tennessee fans, much like Cole Kubelik, and you just said there, are very eh, meh on the whole thing. They're not very excited for it, but I think you need to have a realistic set of expectations when you look at this hire. Josh Heupel has had success He took over for Scott Frost in that first year in 2018 after the national championship year. It was a lot of what Scott Frost had built, but he still runs a very enticing offense, what we are seeing more and more in college football. He will bring some of that excitement to Tennessee. He can now use Tennessee's facilities and all that they have in their resources to recruit in some of the biggest hotbeds in the entire country. They are a quick drive away from Atlanta, from Georgia, from North Carolina. They have the potential to build Tennessee back up to what they need to do within Josh Heupel's system. That being said, though, it's not exactly the most exciting hire because I think they were going through the list and they said, maybe we get this guy, maybe we get this guy, but I'm sure they reached out to a lot of people, or at least a lot of agents for these coaches. And they were like, all right, what's the deal with the NCAA investigation? What are the violations and all these things that are going to be coming your way? And they can't really paint a very clear picture of that. So if you're not so sure about what the future is in Knoxville and what exactly you'll be able to do based on these NCAA violations, then why exactly would you want to jump ship and try to live up to the expectations that Tennessee fans have from the late 90s and early 2000s? So they went with something that was kind of safe in Josh Heupel, and I think he'll be fine, but no Tennessee head coach has been there for more than five years since 2006. So we'll have to see exactly what this means. Is Josh Heupel the guy to do that? I'm not so sure. Can he calm some of the waters after all that Jeremy Pruitt left them in disarray and Phil Fulmer is now gone as well? Maybe. Maybe. But I think it makes sense when you bring Danny White from UCF. He brings a guy that he trusts, a guy that will trust in him to figure out these next rocky roads that they will have in Rocky Top, and try to find a better, clearer path for Tennessee moving forward.
0: I think, and you bring up a good point. It's it's a safe hire, right? And if there are a lot of big, if there were a lot of big names, let's say this happened earlier, you know, with the investigation and everything, who wants to come to that job knowing? That you're gonna you're gonna be hit by sanctions and and you could talk about the mass exodus of players. I mean, three of their top recruits from the 2019 recruiting class, oh, they're going to Norman, Oklahoma to play for the Sooners. Mm-hmm. So you've already you're losing your top talent. They lost their quarterback from last year. Uh, and and we talked about their offensive tackle and a safety and a running back. And it's just like there it's gonna be a very slow process. It's going to be one where they've got to rebuild a lot. And as far as the expectation level, other UT fans, I think y'all need to bring it down a notch or 12 because y'all are not anywhere near the upper echelon of the SEC or any Power 5 conference. I mean, they're kind of a, they're an average football program. Let's let's right. be honest. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things where they were good at one time, and, you know, there are they have instances where they have some good players who get drafted into the NFL, and, and, you know, they do some things, but it's never been a sustained thing. But I think while I'm meh on Josh Heupel, I think it was a smart move. It's not always the sexy move. It's the smart move. It's not the sexy hire. But, you know, he is more in tune with what the SEC is going to, right? Mm-hmm. More of that spread offense. Uh, Well, if you remember, Josh Heupel ran the spread under Mike Leach at Oklahoma. So there's your tie-in. He's probably going to bring that style, that fast style, like you said, like what he was doing at UCF. But with the changing of the guard, I think they needed to bring that style of coach. What's interesting is Kevin Steele has been on the job for a month, and it sounds like he's out. Yeah. You get the interim job at Auburn. You think you're getting the job. They do a full 360 on you. You're off to Tennessee. They do a full 360 on you, and now you're out
1: again. So it's a rough deal going on in Knoxville. It could be worse for Kevin Steele, though. I still think he's supposed to be paid his full $900,000 salary for being there for a month and a half in Knoxville two points to something that you just brought up that I really want to echo first is in terms of all that they have lost in recruiting and from these recent recruiting classes that are on campus, a part of their roster in Tennessee, how good of a recruiter is Josh Heupel? We are about to figure it out because he will have the resources behind him to really make some waves for Tennessee. We'll see if he does. So the second thing is the set of expectations and to bring this back into the land that I know and the place that I cover, A lot has been tied in times between Tennessee and Nebraska. They are two programs that are linked because they had great success in the late nineties into the early two thousands. The last time they were really good across a college football landscape was 2001 And from there, they've also had their issues in terms of trying to find a head coach to take over for a legendary figure and figure things out for them. It has been kind of two polar opposites though, when you think about how things have run. Tennessee has been full of turmoil in terms of who has been the decision maker, the head coach that has been in there, exactly how it's run, but they've never lacked the talent. They've never lacked the ability across their roster to compete in the SEC. They are a part of the Southeastern Conference, which comes with its own set of dignifications in its way. Nebraska, on the other hand, aside from Steve Peterson when Tom Osborne took over as the athletic athletic director midway through the 2000s he kind of built some things back in place got Bo Pelini in there they were starting to be a factor again although they weren't winning conference titles or national titles as Nebraska fans hope but they started to figure some things out and it seemed when they hired Scott Frost three years ago that that was as good of a hire as you could expect and Scott Frost has not lived up to those expectations and for Nebraska now they feel like they're at a little bit at odds with the big 10 conference. They do not have the sway they once had back in the glory days of the big eight. So it's a little bit different from where they are from where Tennessee finds themselves still in the sec with an ability to start to make some of that impact there. I think Josh Heupel has the resources at bay to be successful. I use the comparison against Nebraska because it's just the fan expectations that expect you to be great instantly based back on past success. And that's not necessarily the case right now. And it could do the program in general a whole lot of good to just maybe temper some of those expectations a little bit. Allow your coach to build a program, to change the culture, to do some things, to get a little bit of leeway. And then you can start seeing a return to success, hopefully, if they are able to put in their institutions.
0: Yes, and we're going to get into a little bit of expectations because coming up, myself and Ben Stevens, we're going to power rank the SEC. Who's the best team? Who's the worst team? Who's in the middle somewhere? And who, you know what, for our lock of the week this week, let's put on our lock for the surprise team that might climb those rankings in the SEC. That's coming up next. Are you ready for some football? ben stevens super bowl is coming up mm-hmm. it's the last big football game on the schedule until we get to that spring football that uh we're probably gonna be talking about in the coming weeks but there's only one place that's got you covered and one place that we trust betonline.ag sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag use our promo code lockdown
1: l-o-c-k-d-o-n for your 50 welcome bonus the future odds that we used last week to discuss who would be the next head coach in Knoxville now are nothing. And if I remember correctly, I don't think we saw Josh Heupel's name on that list. Maybe not. I don't know. But if it was, it was way down there, maybe next to John Gruden. But listen, there's no college football games to play some action on this upcoming weekend. But there is some great college basketball games. And let me just tell you one that happens tonight in the Big Ten Conference. It's a top 20 showdown between 7th ranked Illinois and 19th ranked or excuse me, seventh-ranked Iowa, 19th-ranked Illinois. I caught myself there. Patrick, I need to tell you this because it's mind-boggling. The over-under total for that game is 164.5. We're talking about a Big Ten and college basketball game. The total, 164.5 from our friends at betonline.ag. That is ridiculous. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous ludicrous but you don't need to sit on the sidelines anymore whether it's college basketball super bowl sunday coming up next weekend nba nhl all of that is in the thick of their new seasons so don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts Get more
0: of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast bringing down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. So let's talk these power rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start at the top because I think that's easiest. Alabama. Okay, I'm done. Alabama's number one, right? I mean, for sure. Yes, they're losing Najee Harris. They're losing Mac Jones, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, uh, Christian Barmore. They're losing – there's so many people. Patrick Sertain. But haven't we heard this story? Oh, no. Alabama's losing this guy. They're losing all these five stars. Well, They're just going to replace him with another five star. Mm. Uh, I I don't think there's too much worry, especially at the quarterback position. Bryce Young, number one quarterback in the country in the 2020 recruiting cycle – He's there. They'll be fine. Running back. They always find a running back. They always yeah. they are always able to uh, build that roster right back up and they're back to the top once again. So when I look at this team, they're number one and I don't think that there's a close second. Uh, so I think we can both kind of knock that one out. If there's a second ranked team, where, where do you
1: where do you look? I would look to the other division. I would look to the East division, and I think that Georgia has some pieces in place to be the second-best team in the SEC in the 2021 college football season. Of course, getting JT Daniels back will be huge, but to have Zamir White decide to pass on the NFL and come back as one of his best-receiving options, and then you also have a very talented offensive side with coordinator Todd Monken, who's back as well. The defense has always been very good. They'll lose some pieces on the front with Aziz Ojulari, But other than that, I think Georgia should be set to go. We'll find out pretty quickly, and we'll talk the SEC schedule that was just released in a little bit. We'll know pretty early on with their game against Clemson in that opening week of the season. But I would look Georgia right after Alabama. Florida has lost so much offensively that I have a tough time thinking they'll get back to Atlanta for the sec championship game. When you lose Kyle Trask, when you lose Kadarius, Tony, when you lose Trayvon Grimes, and of course the tight end, Kyle Pitts, it's going to be very hard to replace that production. Dan Mullen can do it. He's a very solid offensive mind. Emory Jones, who will be a good backup to fill in for Kyle Trask. will be able to do some things, but defensively is Todd Grantham still there? Cause if he is, it ain't good. Yeah. When I look at Georgia
0: and you can, also have a a little sense of excitement because on Thursday they got their quarterback of the future. Number one quarterback, five-star guy, Gunner Stockton committed to the university of Georgia over Auburn uh, after he was previously committed to South Carolina until Will Muschamp got fired. Uh, So they found their guy of the future. So there's a lot to be excited about Georgia, but can Kirby smart get over the hump? Can he finally beat his old boss? I'm not so sure. Not, not this year, he oh. might be getting closer, uh, as it goes on. We'll find out. Uh, yeah, I think the next like tier when you when you talk about it, like you brought up Florida, right? Right. And yeah, they're losing a lot. I mean, they lose Kyle Pitts, they lose Kyle Trask. Uh, they they've got some weapons on 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 the outside that they're going to be losing. They're they're going to be up there, I think, because Florida recruits really well. I'm wondering where Texas A and M.
1: I was just about now. To they ask lose that. Kellen
0: Mond. You know Texas A and M is probably that next team for me. Probably three, I would think. And they, they lose Kellen Mond, but that system that they run, they like to run the football. Spiller is still there. He ain't going anywhere. They're going to rely on that running game. The defense is is pretty stout as well. They're pretty good in the trenches. So when I when I look at that team, I think that they're they're three challenging two. Right, they're right there below. Uh, It would go Alabama, and then i I I tussle between Georgia and A&M there at the 2-3 spot, Uh, and I would probably slide Florida down a bit, probably to four, Uh, because when you get beyond four, then you start talking about the Auburns and the LSUs um, is kind of where I go, and for me, I'm not 100% sure on Auburn. You know, new system, new head coach, I'm sure it's going to be better. Can he get more out of Bo Nicks? than what Gus Malzahn was able to get out of him. You know, that's that's a big thing. Uh, and, and then you look at LSU. They, they're they losing a lot, uh, but, you know, it is LSU, much like Alabama. They're going to restock. They're going to reload. It just can they put it all together. LSU is making all of these changes to their staff. Uh, so, for me, I think I give them a slight edge over Auburn just because I think they're a more talented team. Mm-hmm. So, that's where I go at four and five or five and six right there uh, below those top teams.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with your rankings at the top. I think Alabama is in a clear tier above everybody. They're number one, but they're one by a large margin. I put Georgia at two. I would have Texas A&M at three like you, Florida at four. And then you asked before we got to the break in our first segment, who's your locked on lock of a surprise team you expect? And I don't really think you can say the 2019 national champions are a pure surprise, but I think LSU will be back from where they were in 2020 to go to five and five in this weird college football year of 2020 was certainly an aberration. Can they recreate the success and be a national champion contender again in this upcoming 2021 year? I'm not entirely sure of that, but I do expect them to be much improved. They would be my team in the sec. I have them right there at five. They could possibly get above Florida in my rankings. They could get above an A and M they could challenge for that third spot. I still think they're a peg behind Georgia, but I think when you have, The quarterback trio of Miles Brennan, T.J. Finley, Max Johnson, all back competing for that first spot. Yes, you lost Eric Gilbert, the very talented tight end wide receiver duo that left and he transferred out of Baton Rouge. They have so many playmakers, though, offensively across the ball that I think they will return, and they have – A really good secondary. And Derek Stingley was supposed to be the guy this year that really elevated his game in that defense. He battled through some injuries early on, but him paired across with Eli Ricks is one of the best secondaries in all of college football. I think that's a really good cornerback duo to anchor that defense that struggled so mightily this past year. I think my locked-on lock, if you will, is that LSU will be much improved in this upcoming 2021 year. I could see them winning 10 or 11 games and getting back to closer to where they were in 2019.
0: You know, when I look at my locked on lock, mine's coming from that seven, eight, nine range from this past year. When you're talking about a Missouri, you know, you're mm. talking about a Kentucky. My locked on lock is Ole Miss. I think that they Ooh. are going to be a much improved football team. Uh, Lane Kiffin, year two. Uh, do I think that they're going to challenge for the top? No, but I think they're going to be much higher than how they were this year, finishing four and five. You know, that that's kind of where I have them. I think I think Missouri is probably the best of that group. Yeah, Uh, right now. Um, And then I would Kentucky and then put uh, Ole Miss right there Uh, round out my top 10 and say that I think my number 10 team is going to be Mississippi State. Year two of Mike Leach, different quarterback. How's that going to work out for him? I think it's going to be a little bit better as he starts to get his guys in to his system rather than using uh, what was already there in Mississippi State for him when he arrived.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great call. I mean, I would say that my top 10, if we go over them, Alabama, Georgia, A&M, Florida, LSU, I would put Missouri actually above Auburn. And that's kind of interesting to me because Auburn has so much talent across their roster. But I was very impressed with Eli Drinkwit's first year. I think that offense will be even more improved. Their quarterback is coming back. It's Connor Baselick. Connor Bazelik, it's something like that. I don't really know how to pronounce his last name, but he's back as well. I think their number there at six, I would go Auburn at seven, I think Ole Miss, full steam ahead. You know, we'll score with the best of them. The lane train moving. I put them at eight. I then would go with, who do I want at nine and ten? Let me think about this for a second. I'm going to actually do something crazy here. I'm Maybe it's not that crazy. Kentucky out of the SEC East is my number nine team. Having Rams quarterback coach who learned under Sean McVay, Liam Cohen, now becoming a new offensive coordinator in Lexington. I like them at number nine. And then I would actually go with Arkansas arkansas and sam Pittman and the resilience they showed this year at my number 10 spot and then i'd probably go mississippi state tennessee vandy's last who am i missing oh south carolina yeah south carolina struggling as well so yeah i think 11 through 14 mississippi state tennessee south carolina and then yeah sorry vandy but i think we all know you're last in the SEC.
0: yeah you know i think i had mississippi state at number 10 but i can't like argue with putting them at number 11 Right. right. You know, and in Arkansas, you really like, what, like you said, Sam Pittman, uh, what Barry Odom is doing with that defense mm-hmm. and how yeah. they're able to, they're a much improved unit. And I think it's only going to continue to grow as Arkansas tries to get back uh, to some semblance of what they used to be uh, as a very tough team, a tough team Saturday in, Saturday out. So I think we're pretty much in agreement how this is all going to play out. Uh, but you heard Ben. His locked-on lock is for LSU to get back to the top. I'm not going to go with Ole Miss to the top, but I got Ole Miss going higher uh, than they were. I think they'll be a top-five team in the SEC when it's all said and done. All right, but let's shift gears. We're going to talk a little bit about the best games on the SEC schedule that just came out on Thursday. Well, I don't know about you, Ben, but when I'm trying to power through, I, I I need my energy for the day, I need my energy to record the Locked On College Football Podcast, where we're talking about SEC scheduling and power rankings. I reach for my Built Bar. I absolutely love it. They have great flavors. They have nut flavors. They have non-nut flavors. My personal favorite. I go anything peanut butter. Mm. Twelve original flavors. They got six newer flavors. They got eighteen in in total. Once you go to Buildbar.com, use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-D-O-N, for 20% off. They're fantastic, and Ben's going to tell you all the reasons why the Build Bar is fantastic.
1: Patrick, literally today for breakfast, I had my caramel brownie. It's one of their new six new flavors. It was absolutely incredible. Built Bar is like a delicious treat that you get to have, but you never feel bad about yourself because it's perfect for the health conscious person looking to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in that delicious treat. The bars are low in calorie, they're low in sugar, but they are high in protein and high in fiber. They are good where you need it and then have none of that bad stuff to weigh you down. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. It's truly a candy bar that is a protein bar all in one. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's incredible. And like Patrick mentioned, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com.
0: Now that 2020 is mercifully over, it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to the Lock On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball games and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Lock On Bets wherever you get your podcast. Let's talk football. I love football. Let's mm. talk some more football. Me too. So in the effort to keep it football related, let's talk scheduling. More importantly, we brought up the SEC power rankings in our last segment. Now, uh, using USA Today Sports' article on the top 10 games, we're going to go through the top 10 games of the SEC schedule. Let's start from the bottom. At number 10, let me know what you think of this. South Carolina at Tennessee. We got two new staffs. Shane Beamer, former Oklahoma assistant versus Former Oklahoma assistant Josh Heupel. Mm. You should put this on SoonerSports.com. I mean, you got all the you got all the Sooners right there.
1: What was the pay per view price last year for was it Oklahoma's season opener or the second week of the year? Yeah, against, like fifty bucks for a game against
0: Missouri State. It was like against Missouri yeah, yeah. State. Yeah, it was like fifty nine bucks or something crazy. I was like, I'm, I'm not paying for that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, Tennessee at home. What is that week? Six of the college football season against South Carolina. If you put it on pay-per-view and ask people to pay 50 bucks, I think you might get about 10 viewers in Knoxville. So for me, I'm not all that jazzed up by that game, but that might be a really good opportunity for Tennessee's first win in SEC play because when they start off at Florida, at Missouri, then they after the South Carolina game, they have Ole Miss, then at Bama, a bye week. Wow. I mean, outside of Vanderbilt in the final week of the year, that might be Tennessee's only shot for an SEC conference win in that week six matchup on October 9th against South Carolina. So yeah, I mean, I could see why it's ranked 10th. We get some new staffs, we get some new excitement, see how they're progressing about midway through the college football season of 2021, but that's probably Tennessee's best shot for a win in conference play outside of the ending of the year against Vanderbilt. How about we go with
0: the egg bowl, November 27th, oh. Mississippi travels to Starkville, Mississippi, to take on the fighting Mike leaches that sounds like an exciting game. You got two high-powered offenses, and uh, points, points, points. It's crazy. We're talking about offense in the SEC. I still, I know yeah. we we saw an entire year of it, really last year too, but it's still odd to me. But yes, I'm a big fan of Lane Kiffin versus Mike Leach's offense in the Egg Bowl in Starkville,
1: Mississippi. It's a new day. Points rule the day. Offense rules the day, and we will enjoy that game. Final week of the regular season between Mississippi State and Ole Miss and the Egg Bowl. It's going to be incredible. Who's number eight? Keep going through this power no, ranking list. I love it. The number eight game, It's just a throwback to when both of
0: these teams were good. At the mm. same time, I should say. Alabama versus the U. The U is on the way up. Oh. Opening week in September 4th. You got the Crimson Tide going to play the
1: Hurricanes in Atlanta, Georgia. Are are you on that? the biggest question I have for that, is De'Ara King going to be healthy, do you think, for that season opener?
0: It's going to be tough. But Mm. I've seen crazier nowadays because with all the advancements in health and surgeries and, and how I've seen players come back, I think you might be ready to rock on September 4th in your first test. Oh, by the way defending national champion,
1: Crimson Tide. Alabama, two of their first three games of the season take place against opponents from the state of Florida. That game against Miami in Atlanta, and then two weeks later on the road in Gainesville, taking on Florida. So a very tough test to start off the year for the Crimson Tide, the national champions. I would still expect them to win both of those games as it stands right now, but it's definitely getting into some tough sledding. You're going to know where you stand pretty early on. Bill O'Brien the offensive mastermind taking over those offensive reins in Tuscaloosa. How
0: about our next game we have LSU going out west to face the UCLA Bruins on September 4th. So another opening kickoff
1: game where two power 5 teams going at it. The opening weekend for teams in the SEC is really exciting. We talked about it. Alabama and Miami LSU against UCLA in a game I'm sure we'll touch on in just a minute, Georgia and Clemson. There are some really good opening weekend games featuring teams from the Southeastern conference. I can't imagine UCLA beating LSU. I just can't. I'm sorry. I won't, I won't believe it until I see it. I think the tigers get back to where I believe they will be in 2021 with a big opening win against a PAC 12 opponent on the road out on the West coast in the Rose bowl in pasadena so i do believe that lsu will start off the year 1-0 my locked on lock for them improving i think they could very easily be a double digit win team this upcoming college football season
0: how about this game september 18th in happy valley we got auburn traveling to penn state they got a team that you can talk about here give us a little insight on the penn state nittany lions
1: The biggest question for me will be, what does Mike Yurcich do with that new offensive system? We saw Penn State sputter all of 2020, or at least most of it, until they started to figure some things out with Keevon Lee and then Sean Clifford, who will be back now for his fourth season. Can he finally take an improvement step? Can he move forward in his progression as a quarterback? We will have to see. If they do, I like Penn State over Auburn in that game. I expect Penn State to get back to what we're more accustomed to in Happy Valley it's going to be very interesting to see what that offensive scheme does because it did not work. It did not work this past season with Kurt Chiracca. That's why he's no longer there. And the new OC in state college is Mike Yersich. How about
0: this for number five, you got Brian Hartstein's first shot and Nick Saban mm-hmm. in the iron bowl playing right there in Auburn at Auburn. So this is Alabama traveling. Jordan to a. Uh, this, this, uh, that's a tough one. I think, uh, for Harsing. is it in in that game yeah it's gonna be a tough one i mean it's not gonna be tough dick saban no i mean i i think i mean i think it'll be closer than maybe some will really give him credit for but yeah for me it's it's not that close uh looking at that game number five i mean i i think that's a good number five i think in more recent years if, if it was further back that was probably near the top uh how about this one number four you've already touched on a little bit alabama going to gainesville september 18th uh to take on florida in the swamp gonna find out a lot about florida uh can they produce another quarterback that can help them at the level that kyle trask was this past season i mean for most of the season kyle trask was the story of college football uh just because of what he was doing only to watch Mac Jones just run right by him uh are are you looking at that game as a, as a tough matchup or or do you think it's going to be close in the swamp or uh do you think it's going to be Alabama's going to run
1: away with that one I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm excited to see Emory Jones this next year and Dan Mullen's system. I also If we learned anything from even how dominant this Alabama team was by the end of the 2020 college football season, it took them a few weeks to get what that defense was doing. So it will be a little interesting to see against a high-powered offense if the Gators can get back to even a semblance of what they were in 2020. That could be a very high-scoring affair, like we saw in the final SEC game of the year in the SEC championship game. So I would expect that to be a 35 31 game a 42 35 game something where there will be a lot of points as the defenses strike start to figure things out in the early portion of the year. I think it's gonna be a great game in the swamp that early on. Oof, I'm very yeah, excited it, that
0: it one. makes you wonder if you know the acclimation period that there was this year, right, with with COVID 19 and everything, and there was no you know, we didn't have spring ball, it was a very truncated ball camp. Are we going to have that again? But they probably handle it a little bit better because they've been through it. They know what to expect because let's be honest, going into this past season, we went in blind. We didn't know what to expect. Uh, I think a lot of us in the media looked at it and go, do we even think we're going to get to a national championship? Uh, Because it was was a fluid situation and none of us really uh, knew what to expect. All right, but we're going to go towards the top here. We got number three. We got the world's largest cocktail party, Florida. Georgia, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, you know it's interesting. I think it's the last six seasons the winner of this game has represented the SEC East in the SEC Championship. So here, de facto SEC East Championship on October 30th in Jacksonville, Florida. Again, uh, I like. I think I'm gonna. I know it's way early, but I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna lean Georgia in this one because they have the returning production at quarterback, the more experienced player, uh, and, and we'll see. Because like you said, if Todd Grantham is
1: back for Florida, uh, JT Daniels might go off in this game. And that's really the best game of that SEC weekend. A lot of teams on buys that weekend. So to have the largest cocktail party in Jacksonville, and I think that will be a big thing for our power rankings, right? We were kind of in a toss-up between where Georgia and Florida were coming out of the SEC East. I think that really will delineate, like you mentioned, who is the SEC East champion. I would lean Georgia as we sit here on January 29th, as we look at a game on October 30th, 30th, rather, Halloween weekend. I would lean Georgia, but that's going to be a great game. I mean, it will decide the SEC East. I, I do believe that. All right, so number two,
0: Alabama at Texas A&M. If Texas A&M is ever going to have a shot at this, they've got to be able to jump Alabama on October 9th at Kyle Field in College Station. I'm still going to lean Alabama just because it's Alabama. Right. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah. It's If you see a team that wins it every single year, people are like, oh, this is going to be the team. Well, until a team actually jumps up, and kicks him in the mouth. I'm going to go with Alabama in this one, but this is a very good early season matchup. I think that's what week week 5, week 6 of the season.
1: Uh so week yeah, six, we're getting the six, Alabama.
0: Yeah. yeah. So we get Alabama Texas A&M week 6. I think that's going to be a fantastic matchup.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, credit to Texas A&M that that game will be played in their own home stadium. Not so much a credit. They didn't really do much, but I'm just saying it will benefit them to have that game be played in College Station. If they're ever going to knock off Bama, it's going to be in College Station and it will be a help to them. So I think that's a great game. Week six of the year. What other game do we have week six that was really, really good? We were doing this earlier. Uh, I honestly. I oh, no, it wasn't really, really good. It's just Tennessee, South Carolina. It wasn't that great of a game. No, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. That's why we one, Really, really, yeah.
0: really good. I was like, wait, what game was that?
1: Uh, number one game. Also LSU. That's also out... a good week.
0: Yes. But here we go. Here, here good week is six the in number, SEC. One number one game of the year. We're going to find out real quick how good Georgie is because right off the kickoff the season, they are going to be taking on the Clemson Tigers, uh, with DJ.
1: Yeah, that guy. I'll
0: let you have that one. Yeah. So Georgia Clemson right off the bat that, That's going to be a tough week one matchup, but I really like, I think that's one of those games that everybody's going to want to tune in because you're going to, you're getting the litmus test, not only for Georgia. How good is Clemson now without Trevor Lawrence, without Travis ETN? I mean, they're they're losing some players on their side of the ball, but much like Alabama and Georgia, they restock. We we see it year in and year out, but how does, how does the system look? How, Do these two teams match up on the opening weekend
1: of the SEC schedule? I love it. That's such a great game to start off the college football year in 2021. I'm just so excited for that already as we sit here at the end of January, thinking about that first weekend of September of the college football season. Clemson, Georgia, probably what? Going to be ranked two and three, you would think, right? That's probably where they're going to be, maybe two and four if Ohio State's in that top four. Not that we really care about the top four that early on, but I'm just thinking of the rankings. Yeah, I mean, that's probably going to be at least a top five matchup. I can pretty much guarantee that. Yeah, I
0: always think uh, if I'm I'm looking at it early on, uh, I think Ohio State, and it's not in any order, but if I had to look at my top five, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and probably Oklahoma – Uh, I think are probably going to be your top five schools uh, when you look at everything that's coming back. So, yeah, I think that's huge. You know, it's crazy that we're talking about this now because it makes me think back to before the season when they knocked off all the non-conference games that we were so used to having. We didn't get Alabama, USC at Cowboys Stadium like we were expecting. Uh, You know, so it's kind of nice that we get to have these conversations and hopefully, given that the year that we just went through, Everything that we went through with COVID-19 and all of the the pauses and football activities and the testing. Hopefully this year we will get our full slate, our full complement of college football on Saturdays. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On College Football Podcast. Make sure you're following Ben Stevens. Check out his podcast, Locked On Big Ten Podcast. Each and every day, check out my work, Locked On Longhorns your team every day. We'll be back next Friday. We're going to have a new conference where we're going to break down and any breaking, I guess, college coaching staff changes that might come down the pipe in the next week, we don't know. It's a fluid situation. But uh, have a great weekend.